With Metro and the best deal in wireless, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees included every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. 5G access requires capable device. Coverage not available in some areas. See MetroByTMobile.com or store for details. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast 2019. Here we go. I'm Stephen Jodder, and joining me, as always, are Makafai and Jake Watroba. Things are a little bit different for today's episode. We got a couple of announcements as well as a lineup chain. Boys, Armand, Jake, Happy New Year. Did you guys enjoy a little break from the soccer craze? It was nice to get away from you guys and not talk to you guys at all. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, though, like, did we really get away from the soccer craze? I did. There was just news breaking left and right. I took a seven-day Twitter break. but like, You guys you know. took breaks from Twitter for, like, two weeks, though, didn't you? I did. Yeah, I, took a, I took a week break, yeah. I would say that was the best decision I've made in a long time. All you listeners out there, continue listening to the podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. But if you need to take a break from Twitter, highly recommend it. One week, delete the app. Just... Go read a book or something. I mean, for me, I mean, just getting away from the hoopla, I, I think, yeah. is really nice. And I, I don't know, but I mean, I don't think any news broke when. Uh, That's I was a lie. Twitter, so. Okay, what news broke? Christian Pulsick. Uh, I, I think I was on Twitter when that happened. Okay. But. Anyway, listeners, as I said, we have a couple announcements. First, you know the podcast is on any major podcast platform. So go ahead and subscribe to our show. Give us five-star rating. We don't have a paywall, so any five-star rating means a lot to us. Or anybody who hits the subscribe button, it means a lot to us. Secondly, like I said, follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod, at Armankafai, at Jake Watrova, at Steven Jodrand. Send us all your mail, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, we're going to start doing some new things. Rather than dumping one big episode on Monday morning, you're going to get snip- snippets Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then the big show on Friday. So pay attention to that. And for this week's focus is all about Christian Pulisic's signing for Chelsea. So let's get to today's episode. All right, boys. So for segment one, we got a special guest joining us. He's not on the line just yet, but Brandon Busby, host of London is Blue podcast. We're going to have him on talking about what exactly does Christian Pulisic mean to Chelsea Football Club. But Jake, I want to begin with you. You're the Chelsea fan of the show. When you 
saw the official announcement by Chelsea Football Club that Christian Pulisic was going to the club, the American, you know, this big name, massive, what a whopper of a transfer fee, 73 mil. What was going on through your head? Like the move? Didn't think the move was good? What were we thinking? I mean, naturally, as an American, I'm pretty stoked that uh, Chelsea, my, my Premier League club, signed him. Uh, I, I mean, I think in if, if we were to take a step back here and let's just say, you know, from like uh, an outsider's perspective, I guess, or as a, as a fan of a different Premier League club, I guess I would look at it and probably say Chelsea overpaid for him. Um, is he really... You know, is he really worth that seventy-three million dollar price tag? And like, like you kind of um, have alluded to over the last, last week uh, or so, and <clears throat> you know, it, it does. Is he a starter at Chelsea, or is he more of a bench, a bench player, rotational player? So, uh, I mean, it, as a Chelsea fan, I'm definitely excited. I, I definitely want to see him prosper and, and develop more with the club, and you know, definitely become one of the uh, turn into like a world-class player at, at one of the biggest clubs in the world. Right. Armand, here's some facts for you. Pulisic's fee was the 27th most expensive in the history of the sport. Pulisic is the third most expensive player aged 20 or younger behind Mbappe and former Borussia Dortmund teammate Dembele. Third biggest transfer in Chelsea history. Christian Pulisic also becomes Chelsea's 41st player out on loan because he's not joining till the summer. Well, the crazy thing is, with a fee of, what, $73 million, uh, I think, first of all, we should marvel that an American player developed in America who went to Dortmund at, what, 17, is being uh, is worth that much money. I think we should all marvel at that fee. But at the same time, it's really interesting because a lot of debate between, I guess, people in the media and fans is will Christian Pulisic play and you know like fast go backwards what like five years and someone with a fee around 73 74 75 million you expect them to play off the get-go but with the inflation of the transfer market and how big um, just these fees have gotten it's not a guarantee and I think that's the most fascinating thing about this whole deal we're not sure how Christian Pulisic is going to be at what 73 million dollars I, th- I would say, what, five, six years ago, we look at Christian Pulisic, $73 million. That's a massive transfer. He's going to play. This is amazing for American soccer. But now I feel like there's more skeptics than ever. And I find that very – and I find that as a result of you know the inflation in the transfer market. So is it fair to compare Pulisic's fee to other Americans? I would, but you, you have to be careful because I feel like there, there's like more of an inflation now than we've ever seen before, the influx of money involved – in soccer, I mean, I don't know if you can really compare it to Josie Alcador when he went to, I think, Villarreal in uh, uh, La Liga. I think it's kind of tough to compare it to him. That was in 2008 for $9.5 million. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of tough to compare it to that as well. Because, I mean, that would probably probably go up a little bit as well. It's tough to even compare transfer fees in general. No, you're right. You guys roasted me for trying to do that. Yeah. And John Brooks in 2017, age 24, went from Hertha Berlin to Wolfsburg for just under $20 million. I mean, I guess it's the most comparable one you could find out there. But I mean, the but is, then you got to—he's not—he's not, he's not Pulisic. He's not Pulisic's stardom. And well, not not even that. 
it's a defender versus an attacking winger center midfielder completely different prices per position changes i mean look at the prices that liverpool played uh paid for allison i mean it's an absurd amount for goalkeeper let me let me kind of jump in here real quick and just uh say that I think what we also need to look at is the fact that Christian Pulisic went to a Premier League club versus uh, a Serie A club or a La Liga club or a, a, a club in Ligue 1. Uh, tra- you know, the Premier League, teams in the Premier League, because of the all the money that is associated with that league, probably have to pay you know, they're, they're, a, they're premium? Paying, they're pay- a, a premium, premium? or a, t- a tax, if you will, I guess, you know, on, on players coming into the league versus you know, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid or PSG might might have to pay. I I, I don't know. Would, would you agree, Armand, on that? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, with the media rights deal, I mean, I, also, I mean, we 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 t- we tend to see teams like Chelsea who have overpaid for players in the past. I mean, what um, the their goalkeeper, his name is evading me right now. Uh, Jay Hub. Call Keppa. I don't. Keppa, I can't say Keppa, his last Keppa, name. Keppa, I just call Keppa. Keppa. I mean, is was Keppa really worth that much money? If you think about it. I don't think his value is that much, but because, but because I think was it Bill Bow stood really firm and forced him to pay the uh, release clause. I'm not sure what if it was Bill Bow the team uh, forced him to pay the release clause. The price went up. I think you're right, Jake. There is a tad of a premium, but also I think the other sides of things, such as him being an American, and you know, the number one thing we always talk about marketing also play I think a, a little bit of a role in that fee as well. You know what's really interesting? I wonder anybody out there on Twitter, you might want to do this, if there's a way to compare transfer fees from past years. The problem is we tried comparing John Brooks to Christian Pulisic, and that's a two-year difference. But in that two years, Neymar moved, Mbappe moved, the absurd amount of money has been thrown out. So it's really hard to really put these players in a position and compare their prices and their meaning and their value because Christian Pulik's $73 million, that's what he was valued at Chelsea. What about Arsenal? Maybe Arsenal had a value of $63 million. Maybe Liverpool was like, oh, he has a value of $80 million. It Maybe Chelsea's, you know, Dortmund were in agreement. Anybody who's actually seen how transfer fees and how clubs communicate with each other, it's a lot more complicated than what you get in FIFA. Yeah, I mean, of course, and it's it's tough to again go like compare transfer fees because you have to look at the relative situation. All of it's relative, you know. It's you know, for example, I mean, if you look at what England, uh, you're gonna pay more for an English player because you know they fit the homegrown requirements and uh, they're they're a domestic player, so that won't count against your uh, uh, your homegrown uh, the lack of homegrowns that you have. So there's always different. Scenarios. I mean, it's not about an inflation index that we can just compare. I'm like, oh, it's changed over years. This is what happened. I mean, I'd probably say that Neymar transfer was one of the ones that really triggered this whole uh, changes in you know pricing. I mean, also you have to realize the influx of money from the ownership groups. So, I mean, back to Pulisic. The, the crazy thing is, we don't know if he's gonna be you know a, a, a true starter on this team. And the fact of the matter is, if we go back to what he was doing at Dortmund, look. He was backing up Jordan Sancho. He wasn't starting. He was getting minutes on the bench. He was outplayed by outplayed by Sancho. So I think we we lose track of that as well. 
Um, and I think it's great business by Dortmund to get 73 million for a guy that's, you know, he's not getting in there. Uh, he's not playing consistently uh, in terms of starting week in and week out. Joining us now on the show is the host of the London is Blue podcast. He is Brandon Busby. You can follow Brandon on Twitter at bbusby and the podcast at London Blue Pod. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing really well, guys. Thanks for having me on. And listeners, Brandon is actually in London. So how's London treating you? It was great. You know, we we came over uh, about a week ago. We got news that, you know, Pulisic might be signing. So we had to go show up and make sure we got the deal across the line and make sure nothing happened. So, uh, no, I, in all <laughs> just, it's, uh, it's been the perfect timing to be here and kind of have that news break. It was, it was, it was amazing. Uh, absolutely, Brandon. And you were in England. What was the perception, you know, of the Pulisic signing from Chelsea fans, if, if you talked to any of them? Oh, yeah. So we, uh, we have a, I mean, that's all we've been talking about, honestly, the last, you know, four days or whatever uh, with our, you know, with a lot of our friends over here. Um, so obviously, if you're American, ton of excitement, ton of hype, a lot of positive momentum behind it. Our UK based friends are a lot more split over it, to be honest. Um, I would say that uh, some of their, their precautions are really they're like, oh, well, last time I saw him play against England. Okay, well, yeah, we lost three nothing, and you know we didn't have a head coach and a lot of other things. Um, so they're going off a, an extremely small sample size. Or the other thing we hear a lot is um, that oh, you know, he, he's still unproven, or you know, we'll see. They're just kind of have that doubt in their mind. I'm like, guys, this isn't Matt Miazga. It's a, you know, it's a different situation. Um, let's let's give him some time to do it. But I would say credit to the journalists over here. Uh, they see this as an extremely positive signing. If anything, they think Chelsea may be paid more than what they should have, but that, you know, who cares? You know, it's not our money to be spending. Um, but the journalists think that, you know, this is kind of back to that era where Chelsea are signing young, up-and-coming, creative, attacking players. Uh, and who doesn't love that? No, it's really interesting. Does Matt Miazga leave a, a sour taste for Chelsea fans? It's not a sour taste. <laughs> it's uh it's more of like, wow, we did it for an agent. It was a favor is the way they look at it. They, they never really were like, oh, yeah, Matt Miazga is coming in to challenge John Terry and Gary Cahill three years ago. Um, it, he, was just one, he, he was just looked at as another one to go into the loan army. Uh, I think this is a, a good point to talk about Chelsea's recent history with uh, young players. Um, Brandon, I'm sure you've heard U.S. soccer fans are worried that Pulisic will be relegated to the bench or even uh, loaned out now that he's uh, has signed with Chelsea. Obviously, he is loaned out to Borussia Dortmund right now. Um, but why is the Pulisic signing different than, say, a, a Michi Batshuayi signing or a Kevin De Bruyne or even a, a Mo Salah? Uh, well, I mean, all of those guys came from smaller clubs. I mean, Borussia Dortmund is established in the Champions League. Uh, he's, you know, been playing in Champions League for a couple of years. He has, uh, you know, solid numbers playing against big teams in Europe, playing against big teams in Germany. And I think the biggest thing for us is, you know, Salah was a bit of a surprise if we're being honest with ourselves. De Bruyne, you know, he came from Genk in, in Belgium and we didn't know much about him. Even Michi, he had one good season in France. You know, Christian has easily two, three solid years. Um 
you know, a bo- body of work to go off of. And the other big thing is that, uh, you know, he is <laughs> carrying a lot of weight on the U.S. men's national team as well. And that's no small burden. And there are a lot of eyes and cameras and interviews being pushed his way. And the way he deals with himself is so much kind of maturity. And he knows what to say. And, you know, he's focused on the results, not getting caught up in the limelight. I think a, a lot of that just kind of goes into, you know, why he's different than those than those players. Is there a bit of a, like, you know, concern, you know, kind of, like, I guess, maybe a little bit of a recency bias, you know, since Pulisic has kind of been uh, more on the bench uh, with the uh, rise of Jaden Sancho, uh, especially. Is, 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 there more of a, is there more of a concern, though, hey, you know, he's not uh, starting week in and week out, and uh, the, the transfer fee of $73 million, you know, it, it, seem, it seems quite a bit for a guy. But like you said, I mean, it's not our money, uh, so we shouldn't be that concerned about it. But is there a little concern, you know, amongst Chelsea fans in general, that, hey, look, like, we paid for a guy that's not even uh, – we paid that much for a guy that's – not starting week in and week out. Yeah, that's another hot talking point right now. Like, oh, one of our young players, Jaden Sancho, put him out the team. And this is not exactly true. Um, he has told uh, Dortmund since the beginning of the season is what's been reported that he wasn't going to sign his contract. So they've essentially been behind the scenes trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, the, the rumor is that Chelsea and Dortmund had had this deal confirmed and wrapped up in late fall. They just were going to wait until the transfer window opened to announce it. So I think a lot of that has to do with it. I believe you guys probably know better than I do that he had a bit of an injury earlier in the season as well. Um, so to me, I think of a club, you know, they have a bit of a contract rebel. Uh, it, it's an easy excuse to play someone else, you know, to put pressure on that player. But, you know, he again, this isn't his first season breaking through like it is Jaden Sancho's. He's got three seasons, uh, you know, to go on as a record of of his reliability. Yeah, I I personally have this weird feeling that Pulisic is is not underrated, but I have a weird feeling that he could easily turn around and be a De Bruyne or a Salah. I saw quotes that Pulisic, he likes Chelsea's style, he likes the coaching, he likes their way, but I personally don't see him fit that style. To me, Pulisic was either more of a Liverpool-type player or even an Arsenal, where it's a little bit more of that tiki-taka play that Arsenal so famous for and my feeling is because he's only 20 I don't know what he's going to do in the next four years if it's not the results that Chelsea expect he mm-hmm. might get sold off to another big club in Europe and then you know by the time he's 28 Chelsea fans are going to be like why did we do this again where we sold him off that's just me maybe I'm just too cynical in general but I have a weird feeling from the get-go that Pulisic was a the price was always too high when the earlier reports were coming out with Liverpool and Chelsea. I was like, oh my God, these the expectations and all the Americans here putting expectations on Pusik of being this, you know, world class player. Sure. You know, look, he there's no guarantees that he starts or plays. I mean, that that goes for pretty much every player at Chelsea. Um you know, this to me is a is a bit of the a bit of the end for William, I believe. I think he'll be the one that will leave this summer. I think Pedro will stay because we can get more for William. And so, if you look at it that way, um, that's what they're looking to do with him. Essentially, is get him his opportunity to play as, as quickly as possible. I think waiting till the summer so he gets a full preseason is really smart instead of trying to bring him in mid season of a coach's, coach's or a manager's first season. Um, he 
the good news, if you're worried about the style plays, that uh, Maurizio Sarri uh, is is changing Chelsea into a tiki taka pass heavy uh, team. Uh, we're you know recording between 700 and 1,000 passes a game, and that's also a massive point of contention among Chelsea fans right now. Is there's a lot of passing and no end product, but I think that Christian is going to have the chance to come in. Uh, you know, he was bought to make an impact to the team. My understanding is that he was purchased irregardless of who, who, if Maurizio started as a manager or not, he was a target for the club, you know, when Conte was there. They were wanting to sign him last year, uh, the year and then this past summer as well. It just didn't happen because we didn't have a manager at that point. So uh, the club hierarchy uh, favor him big time. And that will help him, especially when the you know the managers feel pressure from the the owner and the hierarchy to play him. He will get his chances, and it's up to him to take him and run with it. Because uh, you know everyone knows that Chelsea, there's no there's no time for patience. You either are successful or you're out the door. Um, but Christian's got a ton of talent. I'm really excited to see him um, go out there, do what we know he can do, and I think he'll really surprise the local fans here with just how exciting and attacking he can be. Brandon, do you think this signing happened in the winter uh, due to, I, I heard Grant Wall talk about this on a podcast uh, earlier this week, that Chelsea's facing a transfer ban this summer. Do you think that's the reason why this got done now and not in June or July? No, I mean, when Barcelona got their transfer ban, everyone always appeals it when it happens in the summer. So then the ban starts in the winter. Um I don't think that that's an issue. Also, Chelsea haven't been charged with anything. So we don't know if that is or isn't going to happen. But look, every, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and everyone else that gets those transfer bans, they appeal them so that the process delays until the window's done. They can get their business done, and then it kicks into the winter. So I just I don't buy that. Also, I think it got done in the winter from what's being reported on the Chelsea side is because... United also had massive interest in him, but they couldn't convince him to go there when they didn't know who the manager was going to be. So instead of Chelsea getting into a bidding war with United and, you know, other teams across Europe, they just paid an extra, you know, 10 million or whatever and got it done now. Brandon, I mean, on Twitter, at least. Uh, I saw that one sorry quote where it talked about, oh, I know Pulisic was... Uh, not I know about the deal yesterday, blah blah blah, all that stuff. Uh, do you think that that was just uh, that's? It, do you think uh, people are just making too much out of that uh, comment yeah. that Sorry had? Yeah, happy happy to talk about that. In my perspective, um, what they said is Maritza was like, "Hey, the club came to me a month ago, said we're looking at Christian Pulisic, we're in negotiations. What do you think of him as a player?" Again, before this. They almost signed him in the summer. The cl- he's a club target for what you know. The club identify him as a young, up and coming, attacking player. They want as many of them as they can get. So they came to Sorry and said, "Hey, we're looking at signing this kid. What do you think?" He said, "Looks good to me." All right. They got the green light from the manager. They went and did the business. He knew it wasn't going to affect him, and essentially, the club didn't need to say, "Oh, hey, we got it done." He had already greenlit it, and it was up to the club to do the negotiation, get the contract and the details down. And he said that, I do think it's a bit of a, you know, people from the outside kind of trying to to stir up controversy where it doesn't exist. Yeah, Brennan, as a Chelsea fan, I kind of saw that as, you know, Maurizio Sarri's first language is in English either. So I think there was a little bit of, uh, 
I don't know if lost in translation is a good way to put it, but um, I didn't really see those that that quote or that comment as concerning as some people might uh, might have found it. But uh, last question here before we let you go: um, Can Sari and Chelsea get more out of Pulisic than Borussia Dortmund did? It's a great question. They got some amazing performances out of him. I mean, Borussia Dortmund put Pulisic on the world stage, made him a bit of a, a household name. You know, it definitely helped him in the United States. But the fact that people around Europe know him is because of what he's done in Germany at Dortmund. Now, it is now Chelsea. They saw the potential. They paid the money for him. That is on them to get the best out of him, just like it is their job to get the best out of all their their players. So they need to play him in the right position. They need to put him in a in a team that is set up tactically to get the best out of him. And we'll see how that goes. But uh, while I'm wa- excited that he is at my my favorite club, I also am cautious in the sense that a lot still needs to happen <laughs> for him to become you know, one of the very best at what he does in the world. And uh, I'm really, really hoping that uh, things click. He hits the ground running at Chelsea. And we're all just looking back at this in, you know, three, six, 12 months time saying, what a brilliant piece of business this was for Chelsea. And not only him, because as you can imagine, I'm, you know, kind of straddling the fence here with my United States fandom and my Chelsea fandom and saying, man, I really hope Chelsea don't screw him and <laughs> ruin his career because, ah, yeah. man, that would be the worst thing for me. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how I see it at this point is it's an opportunity for Chelsea to uh, help him get to the next level, which is exactly what he wants. No, I mean, I think you, you speak for a lot. But I know Jake said last question, but the expectation, I, I was just going to ask you, what's the expectation around Pulisic, though? In your eyes, do you think he can become a Premier League uh, giant? As in, in the next couple of years, we'll be like Pulisic is, you know, at the end of the season, one of the starting eleven when they put the se- uh, team of the of the season together. So, from a Chelsea fan's perspective, so the guys and I have uh, been talking a lot about this this week. We really think that if William or Pedro will go this summer, and I think what a perfect situation for a young guy to come into. He has a seasoned veteran where either A, if it's William, someone who is, you know, played at the very highest level for a long time, they can teach him some stuff, isn't in complete favor, right? Like he could still come in, get minutes, even still a, steal a starting spot. Or Pedro, who has won literally everything under the sun, um, he will get to learn from them while still getting a lot of chances uh, to get in there. So honestly, I think that the expectations are you pay that much, just like, that he should be starting and you know they have the same expectations for um for uh uh, marata right now the fans are upset with him we paid way too much money for him and he hasn't delivered on that um it'd be the same for christian unfortunately if if he didn't deliver whatever it is the the fans think that you know he needs to deliver well, Brandon, thank you so much for joining us on the pod today. I remember Brandon is the host of London is Blue podcast. Uh, go ahead and plug, you know, the podcast and your Twitter name. It's a shameless plug. So plug everything where we can find you and the pod at. Absolutely. Look, we're four Americans. Uh, we're split all over the country. We record every single week after, and it covers everything Chelsea FC. 
Uh, we've actually had the absolute pleasure to interview uh, players such as David Luiz, William, Aspi Laqueta, and recently Ruben Loftus-Cheek, as well as Ali Riley, uh, an American playing for New Zealand. So uh, I, I can promise you that we are legit and that it is a fun time. We really enjoy uh, just talking and having a good time about our beloved Chelsea. So again, at London Blue Pod on all social media, uh, and you can check us out there. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Brandon. Have a good one, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks again to Brandon for joining us. Boys, last minute here. Expectations at Chelsea Football Club for Christian Pulisic, who is on loan at Dortmund till the end of the season. Is he going to do a Salah De Bruyne type of thing, or is he going to be an Eden Hazard type where he becomes a staple of the club and move the direction, uh, move the club into a new direction? Is it possible that he won't be a, like a star, but he'll be a consistent starter week in and week out and play pretty good, but not worth that $73 million price tag. That's possible. My, that's, that's, my, that's my take. All right. That's a good, that's, that's a good point because yeah, I feel like it's with a lot of people, it's either Christian Pulisic is going to be part of the Chelsea loan army for the next five, forever. Or he's going to be like amazing. Or he's, or he's going to, yeah, he's going to be Gareth Bale and get sold on to Real Madrid and three years or something like that, you know, or are you going to be going to be the heir apparent that Eden Hazard, like, why can't, why can't Christian Pulisic just be a consistent starter on the right side of the, uh, at, at the winger position for the next several years for Chelsea. And, you know, maybe he's not Mo Salah or Kevin De Bruyne, something like that, but maybe he's just, he's just consistently, you know, just a, a good first team player. I, I mean, I think consistency is a really underrated, like attribute. No, um, you're right. Inconsistent's huge. You're, no, you're right. And just not being injured. I mean, Bill Belichick and the Patriots have this mantra of a player that's available is a lot better than a player that's unavailable, regardless of their talent. So, I mean, my, yeah, it might be a cold take, to, or not really a hot take to say, like, hey, like, I think Pulisic, it might be just a consistent starter week in and week out. But, like, I, if you're an American fan, you have to be ecstatic if that's the case. Come on, guys. Like, marketing is really, huge. I, are you really going to be bitching about one of the top players in America playing uh, for Chelsea week in and week out because he's not like a star or something? Like, he's better than everyone else. And like, come on, man. Like, uh, that's just my thought, man. I, I, I think, I think we're more likely going to see a, a consistent starter week in and week out that won't be worth that seventy-three million dollar price tag. But like Brandon said, I mean, it, it doesn't matter in terms of like us because it's not our money. So. Follow us on Twitter, on Sam Soccer Pod, at Stephen Jodron, at Jake Watroba, at Markify. Come back for part two tomorrow. We talk about solidary payments. Welcome back to segment two of Uncle Sam's American Soccer Podcast, Christian Pulisic special. If you haven't listened to segment one, go ahead, rewind, go back. We spoke with Brandon Busby of London is Blue Podcast to discuss the Chelsea impact on the Pulisic transfer. You can follow the pod at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. You can follow me, Armand Kafai, at Armand Kafai. You can follow Jake from Minnesota at Jake Retrobe. You can follow our producer, Stephen Jodderin, at Stephen Jodderin. 
but let's get to this part episode of the show where we talk about solidarity payments. All right, listeners, we're going to get right into it. Joining us on the line is Brian Costin. He has a public policy and economics background. He has aided in U.S. soccer governments. Oh, you can follow him on Twitter at Brian Costin. Brian, thank you so much for taking your Sunday afternoon and joining us here today. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. Brian, let's dive right in uh, into the discussion on solidarity payments. It seems like they've been in the news recently with the transfer of Christian Pulisic uh, from Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea. Can you tell our listeners exactly how do solidarity payments work? Sure. Um, Solidarity payments are a regulation from FIFA, uh, the global soccer governance organization. And uh, with their mission to promote the game of football, protect its integrity, and bring the game to all, they've developed a system called solidarity payments, uh, as well as as training compensation, which is a separate issue but similar issue. But solidarity payments to incentivize youth training for soccer. So there's a lot of people um, around the world that FIFA wants to get into the game of soccer, and they believe that this is a method that will help train the next generation of players that we might see in the Premier League uh, one day or one of the other leagues around the world. And so in the case of Christian Pulisic, of course, we've heard in the news that there's a transfer between Borussia Dortmund and Chelsea for $71 million. And this triggers, uh, because it is a transfer between Germany and England, that's the key trigger, Uh, It's between two different countries. Um, It triggers solidarity payments. And solidarity payments uh, takes up to 5% of that fee and and uses it towards compensation, the solidarity compensation, to incentivize that youth training. Um, So we're talking about approximately, um, uh, in this case, for the um, the club that, that Christian Pulisic um, was in, the, the um, I'm sorry, I'm pulling up right here, PA Classics, um, they would be entitled in this case, if U.S. soccer was a participant in this system, between uh, $548,000 and in, in some people believe up to a million dollars in solidarity payments. And they can use that to then give kids scholarships to be a part of their training, be a part of their U.S. Development Academy at PA Classics. So it's it's a huge sum of money, and it's really a, a groundbreaking thing if it were to happen. The problem is in the United States is that for quite some time, U.S. soccer has had the position that solidarity payments are unenforceable in the United States. And that is currently being contested uh, before FIFA Uh, with the DeAndre Yedlin at Tottenham Hotspurs case. Uh, He was a a member of a club called Crossfire Premier prior to being at the Seattle Sounders. Uh, He was transferred a few years back to Tottenham for $4 million. And since then, Crossfire Premier has been forwarding a case to get what they believe that they are entitled to underneath the global rules of football underneath FIFA. Um, That is currently in dispute. We might get a resolution on that any day. But but if we do, what does it mean for the United States? It can be a groundbreaking moment. Um, This is very closely attached to the pay-to-play 
phenomenon in the United States where soccer players, when they're kids, their parents have to pay lots of money to be able to get trained at a high level. And this is a potential game changer, which would begin to allow a different system in the United States that would, would help give, in this case, hundreds of kids the opportunity to play soccer at a, at a very high youth level. And one day, this could be something that's happening all over the country and helping kids um, all over the country getting a good soccer education and becoming uh, the next generation of soccer players that might be playing professionally in the United States and around the world. That was a very detailed explanation from Brian. Brian, uh, you mentioned how U.S. soccer and, uh, has contested uh, solidarity payments uh, for many years. Uh what are the reasons behind why U.S. soccer uh, is choosing not to uh, involve itself in uh, solidarity payments? So many years ago, there was a case called Frazier versus MLS, and it was an antitrust case. Um, essentially, there was players that in the MLS Players Union filed a lawsuit against MLS saying that there was all sorts of restrictive antitrust behavior that was happening between MLS and its players. Uh, and a party to that lawsuit was U.S. soccer. And over time, uh, U.S. soccer and the, the MLS Players Union decided to come to a sort of side agreement to allow, allow them to exit the, the, uh, the case. And uh, what ended up happening is that U.S. soccer agreed not to play a part in collecting solidarity payments in the United States. So U.S. soccer being the governing body underneath FIFA it is ostensibly responsible for helping facilitate those payments. So there was no court case um, that actually triggered this. There was no ruling by a judge. Um, there's no sense one way or another if this would be legal or illegal because it was never decided before a judge. But this was an agreement between the MLS Players Union and U.S. soccer to get out of that lawsuit. And ever since then, U.S. soccer has tried to block solidarity payments from happening in the United States. Maybe you had answered this, and I know you, you, there's so much information that you're throwing at us, but what is the big reason for not having solidarity payments? What are the people saying? What is, I guess, the argument for keeping the system as is versus introducing solidarity payments and going that method? Well, I, I think we can start with the MLS Players Union because this is where the issue started in the United States. They were the ones that first had the objection to it. It's kind of curious. You have a players union who has decided that they're going to take the position that they want to restrict their employers, whether it be a club or MLS, uh, from making solidarity payments to youth soccer clubs. So you have a players union who's saying, we don't want our employers to invest in soccer. We don't want to invest in player training. And their argument, one of their arguments is, is um, that it creates an inhibition of free movement of players. Their economic argument is that even though What's the global standard, and they do this everywhere else in the world. If we have that here, it will lower the chances of a player in the United States transferring to, say, Europe. Um, I disagree with that. They're, they're saying that we're prohibiting the movement of player or kind of restricting the movement of players for what? 
to play in other FIFA sanctioned competitions. Okay, so if you want to play in a FIFA sanctioned composition competition, my argument is you should play according to the rules of FIFA. Now, Major League Soccer and in essence, the, the, the players union is underneath MLS. They have agreed when they got sanctioning from U.S. soccer and U.S. soccer is, is sanctioned by FIFA. They basically said, we're going to play by the rules so that we can get sanctioned by U.S. soccer and FIFA. Now they're saying that they selectively don't want to uh, have the rules of FIFA apply to them, even though they want their players to have the opportunity to go play in other FIFA competitions in other nations where solidarity payments are the norm. And so to get to the bottom line, here's why I think solidarity payments should be the policy. It's voluntary. This is a policy that FIFA and the global sport of football have decided that this is a good thing. The word solidarity, we're in this together. We're going to say, if you're going to spend $71 million, that you take 5% of it. Or in this case, it would be 171th of the $71 million that Chelsea is paying Borussia Dortmund to spend that on new soccer. And so this is, this is a legacy for Christian Pulisic. This transfer can help hundreds, and I've calculated the numbers, it can, at the, uh, the amount of money you have to pay to be on, on the development academy at uh, PA Classics, you can educate 500 kids, 500, more than 500 scholarships can come from this money through solidarity payments. And that's a lot of opportunities for a lot of kids that might not otherwise be able to, maybe they wouldn't even be able to play any organized soccer. And so I think it's really a huge missed opportunity if MLS Players Union, U.S. Soccer, and others continue to block what is a voluntary global arrangement in the competition that they've agreed to play in. Um, so I think it's absolutely something that needs to be done. It's not going to fix pay-to-play overnight, but what it's going to do one kid at a time is going to give more kids an opportunity to play the game of soccer. There's benefits way beyond the game of soccer when you get kids in organized activities. Health improves their school. It gives them better future in many different ways, and it's, it's, it's really sad that uh, MLS Players Union, U.S. Soccer, and others have said, we're not going to participate in the system. In fact, we're going to block you from participating in the system. And one curious note is that the original DeAndre Yedlin Tottenham case, Tottenham was ready to make the payment directly to Crossfire Premier in Washington. And U.S. Soccer stepped in and said, no, 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 you can't do this, don't make the payment. Instead, make the payment directly to MLS. So MLS is benefiting from it in some aspects. In this case, with Christian Pulisic, it's outside of MLS. It, Christian Pulisic was never in an MLS academy. But still, uh, it is believed, even though U.S. soccer has been a little bit quieter on the issue as the final resolution of this case uh, might be in a couple weeks, we might find out about it. Um, their position has always been to block it. So we're at a really interesting moment. Now the stakes are so much higher because this is by far 
the biggest transfer that has ever come from someone that was trained at the youth level in the United States. So this is a really big deal. And in terms of that uh, that cro- that crossfire case, and those really uh, publicized. Is there any feeling which uh, which way the case is going to go uh, in favor of U.S. or in favor of Crossfire or or not? I think that there's a really good chance that there's a favorable outcome to Crossfire, and and one of the reasons why well the facts of the case are very very strong in my opinion. This is a FIFA rule. U.S. Soccer has agreed to be a part of FIFA, and Major League Soccer has agreed to be a part of FIFA. So you would think that they would all follow the rules that they've agreed to follow. So the facts in that regard lead me to believe that um, there's a strong possibility of a positive outcome. The other factors, Major League Soccer, Don Garber, if you remember about six months ago, Alfonso Davies from the Vancouver Whitecaps got transferred to um, a Bayern Munich for about $15 million, I believe. MLS has kind of changed their tune on solidarity payments. In that case, because Vancouver is in Canada and it's a little bit different, the little bit different question of whether or not that there is an issue there, Vancouver actually did make a solidarity payment to two of Afonso Davies' youth club. So, and Don Garber has come out and said, if we, if the case comes back that we have to make solidarity payments or solidarity payments are valid in the United States, then um, we're okay with that. We think we're going to be a winner in that. And also I would note, so Don Garber has kind of changed his tune in regards to MLS participating in solidarity payments. Um, the other thing is, is that MLS is spending a lot of money on their youth academies now. So the economics are that they've been pouring in tens of millions of dollars into the youth academies. And some of those players have gotten signed by Europe before they got signed by MLS. And so MLS gets nothing underneath the current arrangement. So I believe that as they've made more investments in MLS academies and they've seen a lot of their players go overseas for free, uh, it makes it more likely that MLS will be in support of solidarity payments and training compensation. So I think that that's a good positive development there. The other last thing I would say is that Carlos Cordero, the new U.S. soccer president, has not been a big of thorn in the side of, of solidarity payments as Suno Galati was. Suno Galati was rumored to have asked FIFA to delay the resolution of the DeAndre Yedlin case and did not want there to be a resolution so that we would be in this limbo forever where solidarity payments wouldn't be paid. From outwards appearances, it doesn't appear that Carlos Cordero is making that kind of interference at FIFA anymore. So I think we have a really good shot to get a positive resolution on this voluntary beneficial policy between FIFA, U.S. soccer, and the clubs within the United States to make solidarity payments legal. And I think that that would be a fantastic thing for youth soccer in America. Brian, I wanted to ask you about uh, PA Classics and the, uh, I believe he was the Academy, uh, Academy Director uh, Steve Klein. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he was quoted in the in the Jeff Carlisle piece a few days ago on ESPN.com, where he essentially said, I, I don't want to accept any solid any solidarity payments for the Christian Pulisic transfer. I think he his reasoning was, you know, I don't want to benefit from Christian Pulisic's uh, success and, you know, the, 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 the cost of the lawyer fees to uh, secure that money. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on on that? Well, I, I think it's it's very interesting. I'm a little bit disappointed that that PA Classics has decided to take um, that position. Maybe it's not a final position, but I think so. When you say something like PA Classics is a blended pay-to-play club, and they also have some scholarships. In, in this case, it appears that Christian was a pay-to-play. Uh, a student, um, so to speak. And so the thinking that that would somehow change the FIFA regulation, I don't agree with that. The FIFA regulation does not make any mention of whether uh, an individual player was a uh, pay-to-play player or if they were a scholarship player. It's regardless. And I think it's also, you know, one of the things that, that was said by the representatives of PA Classic was that, you know, this isn't going to solve the problem anyways. Uh, It's not going to cure pay-to-play in its entirety. But, you know, so what? When you're talking about Christian Pulisic, I mean, if you want to make a change in in American soccer, it's one kid at a time. And, And this single case has the potential to change hundreds of kids' lives and give them the opportunity to play soccer that they might not ever have had. And so I think that's a big mistake. Now, as far as the legal fees and, and trying to go after the money, um, that's that's this is a valid concern. Uh, I would recommend to them, maybe they should wait to see what the resolution of the DeAndre Yedlin case is. Maybe make an inquiry to FIFA and say, hey, I uh, just thought you should let you know we have this big uh, transfer fee here and, and it might apply to us in regards to solidarity payment. But I would really question, like, if you were a board member of PA Classics or if you were a parent who had a child and you were paying a lot of money to send there and you were struggling to make sacrifices in your life um, in order to put your kid there and then you find out that they're they're passing up a half a million to a million dollars that they could have gotten, um, that, is, that, is, that is a hard sell. Uh, for me as a board member or me as a parent of, of a kid that's on that club. No, uh, I mean, you, you raise an excellent point there. Brian, I, we want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to speaking to us. I want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and plug yourself and, and if you want to plug anything else. Well, you know, thank you for having me on your show. I, I, um, I, I think it's great that there are people now with the Christian Pulisic transfer. It's, it's now become a bigger issue. So I think more people are getting it educated about that i think that's fantastic um one of my personal for for 2019 is i am looking to start a soccer policy nonprofit. i'm here in in chicago uh, really close to u.s soccer and i want to help the the game of soccer in the united states so if you're interested in something like that you can hit me up on twitter uh it's it's brian b-r-i-a-n costin c-o-s-t-i-n And that's my handle at Twitter. And thanks again for having me on the show.
Wow, what insight there. Uh, Armand and Jake, solidary payments. How do, how do we feel on the issue? What, what, what should U.S. soccer, what should the public want here? Well, I mean, the MLSPA, it's, it's a really interesting stance. I mean, I was thinking about it during the interview with Brian. Um, they say the, that, you know, they're restricting player movement by having these payments. But, I mean, I might be wrong by saying this. They're the same PA that accepted a really bad free agency and didn't have their players move for a very long time. Their free agency is what? You have like 10 years of MLS experience and be over to age of 30? Like, and that's good? And that's not restricting uh, freedom of movement? So I think that's a pretty bogus argument. But I like what Brian said. It's not going to end pay-to-play. It's going to help it. And that's a positive first step. But the fact of the matter is, I still... I'm kind of conflicted because I know that there are some academy directors that make six figures. And, you know, will all that money go to covering scholarships for players? Or will it also go to uh, coaches and other administrative things as well? And they'll just keep the prices or maybe subsidize it a little bit and make it maybe more affordable. I mean, there I, there's a lot of things. I, I think soccer in America is a little bit more greedy um, uh, than a lot of people want to think. And it will help. But I'm not sure if it'll help tremendously but i think it'll be a positive step I mean, that's just me i'm a pessimist though well we all know i'm mr negative in this podcast oh. and while yes in principle i think you know you 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 take the uh, academies get these solidarity payments you know and maybe they cut down on the cost what it you know of you know for a player to enroll in the academy or you increase the scholarships or whatever however the, the pessimist in me also thinks that what if these academy directors and these higher ups within the academy are just taking money from these solidarity payments and keeping them for themselves and not dishing them out to help players uh, with you know pay to play and, and things like that? I mean, I mean, not even, not even that, Jake. I mean, think about it. not all that money is going to go towards scholarships. I mean, maybe for many of these teams, you you want to upgrade facilities. With the money you get, you can maybe upgrade your facility. Um, and yes, well, like I said, it's it's a step in the right direction uh, to invest in the youth. I I think it's much more different. A lot of people think I mean, these teams are what they're getting what three, four thousand dollars a year from kids to play soccer. Um, it's a that's lot. A, that's a lot. <laughs> like it's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, my my expect my guess, my guess, and this is me just from what I've heard around youth soccer and whatnot, and my friends playing growing up. My guess is it would be around, you know, maybe the cost of drops like one to two thousand a year instead of being at three, four thousand. I don't know. Hey, I, I mean, a right. cut's a cut, right? Yeah, I mean, a cut's a cut, exactly. So it's a step in the right direction. But I think people who are saying it's going to eliminate pay to play are very misinformed. Oh, I, I think so. Uh, Jake, last thought. No, it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Like, you know, we have the. Uh, the pending lawsuit with uh, DeAndre Yedlin and the uh, I can't think of the Crossfire Academy Cross. Thank you with uh, his academy in Washington Crossfire versus uh, U.S. Soccer. That that case will I believe there's supposed to be ruling on that case any day now. It'll be interesting to see how that turns out and how that it'll, it'll affect solid solidarity. I can't say solidarity solidarity payments going forward. So. Anyway, listeners, come back tomorrow for the final segment. Kind of give you our, our entire thoughts. What's the marketing ploy from Chelsea in U.S. soccer? 
Well, Chelsea suddenly be America's most popular Premier League team. If you're waiting for the full episode, I'll drop Friday. Talk to you tomorrow. Welcome to Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. My name is Jake Watroba. Joining me is Armand Kafai and Stephen Jodran. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. Leave us a review. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Only good reviews, please. Our first segment of this week's episode looked into the transfer of Christian Pulisic from Borussia Dortmund to Chelsea. Segment two consisted of our interview with Brian Costin in which we discuss the issues with solidarity payments and, in U.S. soccer. And today on segment three, we'll be talking about the Christian Pulisic transfer and how that impacts U.S. soccer. So, fellas, let's let's dive right into it. Does this transfer change the image of U.S. soccer players? Um, no. No. Wait, 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 what? No. No. Uh, listeners, go back and li- by the way, I just wanted to let listeners know you can just go back to the feed to listen to segment one and segment two, or wait till Friday for the full episode. Uh, Armand, you say no. Why? Why do you say no? I, I I'm questioning your no. You're questioning my no. So you you don't think I really believe that it won't change? Pers- it won't change? Or, or... oh, I well, think this here's is the thing. I think I... It, there is a big change in England. My perspective um, around this is I think the change around American soccer is not – it has wasn't because of Christian Pulisic. I think the change started a bit earlier when we started to see all these guys going to the Bundesliga and with Christian Pulisic play in the Bundesliga, which prompted a bunch of these guys to go to the Bundesliga to play. I think that's when the perspective kind of changed. And Alfonso Davies is a good example of a player – not an American necessarily – Obviously, Canadian, but we'll lump them in because they kind of suck right now. Um, uh, Alfonso Davies going to Bayern Munich. I think then you start saying, hey, look, people are looking at MLS talent. MLS uh, MLS talents, like I said, we're lumping Canada in with America for the time being. They're going to take a more serious look at those domestic players compared to, you know, like some of the South Americans that kept getting sold uh, to Europe. So I think that's when it was taken more seriously. The Pulisic transfer, great, awesome, but I think the change started much earlier than uh, this transfer right here. Wait, but I think the perception with Christian Pulisic is that he was already at a big club with Borussia Dortmund, but I still felt and I still feel Borussia Dortmund somehow is looked upon as, you know, second step, just not with the elites of Europe, but second, but... They've won the Bundesliga. They've won the Champions League in their history. I know a lot of clubs have, but they were in the Champions League final in 2013. Like, they're not a club that was in the Champions League final 15, 30 years ago when the landscape of soccer was entirely different. Another thing is we know America's popularity phenomenon with the Premier League. NBC puts on a brilliant package. I... The numbers are, are are pretty remarkable to begin with. Now you add Christian Pulisic. I mean, I do this with the Swiss players 
who are regardless of what league they're on. We know. Oh, we know the, you the do Swiss, Swiss play- players. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but the Swiss players playing, oh, I'm going to tune in. I don't care who the clubs are. Now imagine what that's <laughs> oh, going to do in the Premier gosh. League. We don't have Americans in the Premier League. We don't. Clint Dempsey was the, what, the biggest name to play in the Premier League as an American? I mean, did we not Did we not have Jeff Cameron in the Premier League? Yeah, like, but this is... We do have an American in the Premier League. His name, is, his name is DeAndre Yedlin. <laughs> and yeah, and like, no, DeAndre you're right, Yedlin, like, but there's no like, marketing. So, there's no, no appeal tunes, to that. No one tunes into them because no one cares about them. I think it's specifically towards Pulisic. Why do the players in the Bundesliga get more coverage? Because the Bundesliga is perceived as a league that is better at developing players and getting the best out of players, where the Premier League is not seen in that light. And recency bias. Also, but I because think, Christian Pulisic is in that league. Well, I also think uh, that I, I'm not sure about that. I, I also think, think Dortmund gets a lot of coverage. Sorry, sorry, to keep interrupting, Jake. But I think that's why Dortmund gets a lot more coverage uh, is because Pulisic plays there. But I don't think the league as a whole does. Keep in mind, people are tuning in to Christian Pulisic and Borussia Dortmund because Christian Pulisic plays an attacking position and not a uh, not he's not a center back or a fullback like DeAndre Yedlin or Jeff Cameron works. So therefore, the perception when he goes to Chelsea as an attacking player will change the perception of Americans in general. I think the public here in America is going to be a little more amped up. I mean, LeBron James p- carried a Christian Pulisic jersey, right? Not too long ago over the I summer. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. When we're saying change the perception, are we saying in America or worldwide? I think you can – regardless, I think the perception – I think this is why mm-hmm. Armand said no, but I said in England, I think there's a huge change because for the longest time, Americans going overseas, especially in England, there, it was what? You know, Yedlin, nah. Dempsey. Dempsey is the biggest one. He was quite successful. But Altidore, eh. Yedlin, yeah, he had stints at – Wait, wait, tell me, tell me. How, how are we going to call Yedlin an eh? But like he's starting week in and week out no, for but, a Premier League team. No, but the thing is, he plays for Newcastle. Christian Pulisic is coming from Dortmund, and I, if I remember right, I uh, I could pull up the tape. Jake, you and Armand told me not too long ago that Chelsea might be a lesser talented team than Borussia Dortmund at the moment. Yes or no? Did Jake. you not say that, that? That that was Jake. I I said yeah. I guess I'm a, I. I, well, no, because here's my <laughs> argument: is you constantly told me how great Dortmund is compared to Bayern Munich, and you know I said, well, no, no, place, no, no. Now you're putting words in my mouth. Now you're putting well, words in my no, mouth. No, no, no. Every hey, hot take, police. Hot take, please. We're arresting someone over here. So, <laughs> who's who said it? Not Wayne Rooney. He's already been arrested. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Okay, here's my take on this perception thing. Because I don't feel like I've, I've actually gotten my opinion on yet because you <laughs> yeah, two have kind yeah. of hogged the discussion here. Uh, I do not think this transfer changes the perception of American players. I think the only way this transfer changes the perception of American players is if Christian Pulisic walks in at Chelsea next summer and is successful on the field. If Christian Pulisic goes to Chelsea next summer and falls flat on his face and is part of the Chelsea loan army and uh, two years from now is sold to Roma or Florentina or Monaco or what, whatever. Take whatever team you want in France or Italy or Germany or wherever. Uh, I think it'll looked at it'll be looked at as look at Americans can't succeed with, at, the, at the top clubs in England. They they can't play. Uh, they can't play in the best league of the world. Look at you know Bob Bradley couldn't succeed in the best league of the world. Christian Pulisic couldn't succeed. Americans, what do they know about soccer? And it'll just continue this per, per, uh, this idea Is this that worldwide or here in America. 
This is no, a worldwide he, view. Yes, yeah, and and don't forget, people still talk about Josie Altidore's bust at Sunderland. Because Josie Altidore was a bust at Sunderland. Exactly, and but he people, still, people still talk. People still talk about it when uh, when you reference an American player. They don't. They they look at the failures more than the positives. Because Clint Dempsey was pretty great at Fulham, but I mean we we failed to really hear about that. I mean how, Tim Howard was a freaking star forever in Everton. Like, I, I, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Tim Howard's name. Well, Tim Howard and Tim Brad Goussan. Brad Goussan, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Asheville <laughs> fans really love Brad, Brad Goussan. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, listeners, send in your hate mail. We The list that we have compiled is really poor, but I think it pro- provides a point. I think it, it shows an excellent point here that regardless of um, past Americans in the Premier League, the the perception hasn't changed all that much. We still talk about the negativity of every player failing, especially Josie Altador. Yet you've had names be quite successful. Yes, Yedlin has an eh, but as Armand mentioned, he starts in week in and week out. Christian Pulisic changes the dynamic. How? Because people are going to realize his name is tied with Chelsea. And here in America, we like the fame and game. By the okay, way, here. question question for you guys. I don't pay attention to ESPN Sports Center all that much, but when the announcement was made, did ESPN go all berserks with it? Because I would think they would. I mean, this is a massive no. transfer fee no. for a youngster. No, no, no? he didn't. Here's didn't? the thing. Here, okay, I want to. I want to. I want to rebuttal to your. He's attached to Chelsea, therefore it's a big deal. People will take notice. Did Tim Howard play for Manchester United? Yeah, but I was thinking the same. Thing. I was thinking, Jake. I was thinking the same exact thing. But I'll, 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 you know, I'm a certified Stephen hater. But I'm gonna jump to his side right now. Uh, the Premier League, you know, with, with social media and now NBC giving access to everyone, it wasn't as popular as it was back then. So I think now, especially with NBC, Twitter, uh, you know, they have these fan fests in in, in America. You feel really connected to the Premier League if you're a fan of a, a team, and you, I think you can choose them more than ever with FIFA, especially, etc. So I think it's a little bit of a different dimension uh, in terms of. I see what you're saying because I was thinking the same exact thing when Steven said it. But I mean, the more you think about it, it, it it's a little bit different uh, in terms of uh, that that perspective. But I don't think it will change the perspective of Americans uh, worldwide. I think that perspective has already been flipped a little bit more positively in terms of cheap talent. I mean, we just saw Chris Richards get sold to Bayern Munich. Like, are we forgetting this? Like, they're buying Americans to play for them. Sargent had an assist in a first-team friendly today. Whatever. He scored a couple times, right? Like, are we forgetting all these things? <laughs> I just want to make it noted that in this, this week's episode, we have now reached not only our New England Revolution quota – our Swiss national team quota. We've now just met our <laughs> FC Dallas quota for this week's show. So I know you two can't help yourselves, but anyway, I want to I want to I want to shift gears here. What the uh, Minnesota? That your Vikings suck. No, what no, what quarter are we gonna meet? I don't need. You don't need it. It's not worth Why, it. Augsburg going to somewhere? I don't know. I, you know I, the I think Armand. Fight- I think Armand was uh, getting into this with this Chris, Chris Richards discussion here, but uh, but you know, Jake, does this Jake, transfer open the door for more Americans? It, you know, the funny thing is, before I get to that, Jake, I was the moment that Armand brought Chris Richards, I was just thinking, well, there's the FC Dallas take of the week. 
moving forward, does it open? What do you want me to do? Like, <laughs> he just transferred to Bayern Munich. What do you want me to say? Forget him? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, there's no one else out there that's making deals with that they're getting Americans to Germany. I mean, we talk talking about Sporting KC just sell, sold Kyrie, uh, what's his name? Oh, the Paderborn? Free, right? Isn't it free? This is domestic know. homegrown talent, baby. This is the fresh of the fresh. Like, this is this is the best talent you can get out there. By the way, I'm not convinced Bayern Munich uh, bought him because they think he's really good. Why they buy him? I think he's a cheap lottery ticket, and they said, what's a million or two bucks? Why not? We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, that's, exactly what, that's exactly what you would expect, right? Like, Throw him in there. We'll loan him out a little bit, make some money off of him, and then uh, if he's good, great. We can sell him to Wolfsburg or Waterman or someone I mean, like they, that. What, then you leave for what, $14, 15000000 million? You get $13, 14000000 million profit? Maybe if that, or you flip him to you know, a team in the Netherlands for – Three, four, five million dollars, or something like yeah, that. I mean, I don't think that's that's, that's bad business, but I mean, that's besides the point. What were you saying with Richards? If I interrupted you and Jake or and Steve interrupted you, you were like that's... saying I was getting to the Richards discussion. I <laughs> I was I want to talk about if it's opened the door for more Americans. This pool. Oh, okay. Character. I mean, it's so hard to tell because Christian Pulisic is just a one-off case. If Christian Pulisic was a line of maybe four or five different Christian Pulisic who have made their way through the top leagues of European, you know, the stature of European football or European soccer, I think we'd be talking about it differently. But this is a one-off. So I think this does open the door in a sense of, you know what? Somebody's done it now. Who's next? I think the eye should be who's next. Just a one-off doesn't mean all that much. Um, Does it open doors? No, because I think the doors are already being opened. Yeah, and the doors are already opened. I think the doors are open, especially but, the Bundesliga. But I was going to say, I, let's be more specific. Does it open the door for more Premier League teams to go after Americans? We no. see, we see the the constant push from Bundesliga to come after Americans. We don't want to have to go through the list. But the Premier League, as we did at the beginning of the segment, we listed the handful of players that we remember in the Premier League. But besides Yedlin... And I know there are more Americans in the league now, but listeners, can you can you right now think of more of a, a couple more Americans in the Premier League? Well, the problem is with the Premier League is you have to get a work permit, which is why Stefan probably wouldn't qualify to play for City yet. I don't think he can qualify for a work permit just yet. That's the main problem, which means you, which means for listeners who don't understand the work permit, I actually did a presentation in college about this, so that's why I'm so so <laughs> I'm so prepared. Uh, but you need to start like a percent, a certain percentage of national team games to, to or in order to qualify for uh, the FA's approval for you to be in the work permit. It's, it's like a weird, it's like a, a bunch of criteria. Basically, do you play in continental competition? Is one of them? Have you played like seventy five percent of your national team games, uh, or like a hundred or eighty like percent of your club team games? Some number. I'm not sure exactly. Don't roast me if I get those wrong. Um, but not all of them will qualify for them because you have to basically choose players from the national team. If you think about it. Do you look at any other player on national team that can play for England? That's why they that's why they all go to the Bundesliga because they don't have to qualify for those work permits. As soon as they turn eighteen, they're gone. Well, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Was, I think, what else? I think well, I think there's different philosophies in the Premier League versus the Bundesliga. I think the Premier League is more geared towards it's I mean, not they geared can't towards even get them. Well no, hold, hold on, let me 
same yeah, so point here. They get, the Premier League is more geared towards finding the best players in the world and and you know and getting them in the league. You know, the, the Premier League isn't geared towards player development and things of that nature. I mean, come on, how many times we hear, we put on put on a Premier League game and it's like eighteen year old so and so from you know. Portsmouth, England, starting for Crystal Palace. You know, something, something stupid like that. We don't, you don't see that. You turn on a <laughs> Bundesliga game, though. Like the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga invests in the academy, invests in youth development, and essentially the Bundesliga, in my eyes, is set up to, you know, on a, on a German scale, is get kids into the academies, groom them, and then they get sold off to Bayern Munich, and then that's your German. That's like where they develop chemistry for the German national team. And I think that also works too for some of these uh, youth internationals where they develop these kids and then sell them onto bigger clubs for profit. You know what's the, ironic? The, 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 the... You want to know what's, what's ironic, ironic, Jake, though? England what? is successful right now at the international level with <laughs> the A team and then all their youth teams. They are, but you don't see young English kids playing in the Premier League today Look at Jaden Sancho is an is an eighteen year old English international playing for Borussia Dortmund. He took Christian Pulisic's spot in the lineup. No, but in, well, I think with the Premier League, the Premier League's a bad competition. What they do is because you have the League Cup, because you have the FA Cup, they play all their players. Then, if you're Arsenal or Chelsea, your big name in the Europa League, you play your kids then because you're gonna. It's a piece of you know. You get your points. You yeah, can't... but a lot of those clubs play their kids then, though, too. Like, no, that's... you're right, because it's not a competition that's taken seriously. But the Premier League, there's so much money involved in, in finishing, you know, even between 10th and 15th, that it means something. What what board member wants, yeah, play your kids, blah, 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 blah. No, it's, it's dollars and cents. I mean, I mean the, the, the thing is with... With all that, I mean, Jake, I see what you're saying with the, the difference in philosophies because it's true. But I mean, yeah, I'm with Jake. I mean, I mean, here's the thing: they they can't even get them there. That's part of the problem. Remember Juan Agadello? Remember with the Stoke City? He came and they had to loan him out to PSV, and he never played a single game for Stoke City because he couldn't qualify for the permit. I, I know that that's that's a big, that's a big part of it. I mean, hell, why wouldn't a team maybe in like the lower leagues try to go after a, a U.S. international? Well we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Well, we will That's see. That's my thought. We'll Work see. Comments, baby. Listeners, follow us on Twitter, UncSamSoccerPod. The first full episode of 2019 in the books. If you have not listened to previous segments, please do. Talked about solidarity, solidarity payments with Brian Costin and Brandon Busby of the London is Blue podcast. Talked to more specifically about Christian Pulisic and Chelsea Football Club. Jake and Armand, you guys excited for 2019? Big big year for U.S. soccer, right? We're going to win the World Cup. Yes. Uh, according to Armand, we are in 2022. So, I don't well, know what about, what about the woman? What about the women? Okay, they're going to win you know, it. No, they're not. They're not going to win it. It's going to be France or Germany who wins it. Oh, what? Oh, okay. Hot take. We're saving uh, yo, this take. Yo, low key, low key. That women's team is not as good as people think it is. Oh, hot take. Whoa, bro. they beat a bunch of nobodies and CONCACAF qualify. Whoa. There's hey, problems there? with the I, women's I national them. team. There's problems with the women's national team. You heard it here first. I predicted. 
Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.